You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. It's for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. The Empowered Parent Podcast is a developmentally informed, trauma-sensitive, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. You make it sound like such a chore. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's hi. I'm, starting I'm to be. I'm Chris. I go, joining me again, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. If he ever calls me I mean, that, what, I will be years very offended. Trust, trust me, you're going to be Tweedledee in this scenario. <laughs> That sounds a little more joyful. <laughs> but I've seen Tweedledee, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I don't want to be them. Sounds like you're going down a slide. Tweedledee. <laughs> oh, you know, gracious trust me. If he picks one of us to be Tweedledum, he's picking me. Because <laughs> he's smart. Oh, he's scared of you. And now I have that on <laughs> recorded like audio. Dallas. Can you make sure that Kay- you get Kayla saying that clip said to be smart? Dallas, so, yeah. And the, the whole thing. Or you're smart. <laughs> Not you're smart. Or you're smart. Oh, well, goodness. joining us once again, <laughs> as we promised, uh, there was, was going to be a part two to the discussion of blocked care, is our good friend, Melissa Corkum. Hi, Melissa. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Hey, hey, Melissa, I, I was working on an intro for you in the intervening in the two minutes between recording the episodes. <laughs> so let me try it, try it out, because by the time this airs, the book will be out. Absolutely. So joining us today, noted author. <laughs> and TED Talk speaker. And TED Talk speaker. Can we talk about the TED Talk for a minute? Because we didn't mention Absolutely. the first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, so tell us what it was about and then how you ended up doing a TED Talk. So it was on redefining successful parenting. Okay. And I wrote a 10-minute speech for another speech competition in 2021. Mm. That was like a TED style talk type thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it was just rolling around in my head. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, if that means anything to anyone, which just means that we have a lot of ideas. We're kind of adventuresome. We're a little spontaneous. And so literally one day I was probably supposed to be doing some other kind of like, quote unquote, (laughs) real work. And the thought (laughs) popped into my head. I wonder if there are any TEDx events near me. And There was at a local university, and the applications were due in like three or four weeks. I mean, it was like the timing was perfect. Mm. And so I literally pulled up the application, took my application from the previous speech competition, tweaked it for whatever like the fields were, hit it. I like zero um, like emotional like attachment to this. I just thought, (laughs) yeah, why not? Sure. Like, I, yeah. So this all happened in a span of maybe five minutes from me, like Googling it to like sub- hitting submit. Because you're like, I could submit this or do real work. On the application. <laughs> I kind of forget about it. And then like four weeks before the event, I get an email. It's like, you've been selected. 
And so I was like, Uh-oh. I kind of thought we'd have more time than this. <laughs> but I mean, that's great. And then awesome. what I wasn't expecting, because you, I just figured like you get selected and then you show up into your TED Talk. Friends, that is not the way this process <laughs> works. That's why people look so good on stage when they're doing TED Talks. <sighs> and so then like the next four weeks of my life was all TED Talk stuff. How do you give a TED Talk? <laughs> there wow. was a speech coach and I had to meet with her in oh, wow. person. That's and awesome. we rehearsed and rehearsed and edited and rehearsed and the day of the event like it was like an evening event and we had to show up at one o'clock to rehearse some more and sound check and wow be there. there's a so lot no that goes into late. it I mean it was I was I had not really budgeted that kind of time that and it happened in November of 2022 and then the organ you know the it was a local university but like the people running it the organizers send the stuff to Ted and then Ted like puts it in their queue and then one day you show up on YouTube. So it took until the end of January to show up. Hmm. So that's like also an excruciating process because people are like, you did a TED Talk. When do I get to see it? Yeah. How'd it go? Well, we can post the link because it's out there now. Now it's out there. And the only reason I know is because I must have years ago set up a Google alert on my name <laughs> and it caught my TED Talk. We never got a notification from anybody well, that it was online. Wow. So you're like, oh, it's there now. Now I can share it. But now that, people can hear it. That's yeah. pretty cool, though. It's not just that you're giving the talk, but they're actually investing in you, mm. which is a skill that, you, that all the things that you learn from the, spe- the, the presentation coach, whoever the person was. Yeah. Because you do speak at other events, and so now you got your TED Talk pot, and so you were polished by TED. Yeah. That sounds weird. Which also <laughs> makes me wonder... <laughs> Yeah. It does sound a little odd. <laughs> Skipping over that. I'm, I'm fine. I said it. Well, what you said there uh, about uh, how uh, Ted is making an investment in you makes me wonder, you know, how Ted, the organization, feels about the investment they made in James Veach getting up to talk about spam. <laughs> which, which, if you've not seen that particular I have TED not talk, seen that one. You need to go look that up. It is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Basically, the whole thing is, what happens if you actually respond to a spam email? I was, I was waiting for you to clarify. Oh I was like, God. this could go either way. It was, on, it was either like was canned thinking, ham that's or what I was email. Canned I thought it was like canned meat. As I well. thought it was canned meat. Like, that's where I went hey, with I, res- I responded one time. I, I, no, that's funny, email. though, that gotta, my, like, my well, brain went there. Yeah, I went hungry, I guess. We were you, hungry. You know you're really hungry if you thought it was it's spam and you went to food. Well, I thought email, but then he was like, it was kind of a ridiculous TED Talk, and I thought the most ridiculous TED Talk I could think of would be on canned meat. On spam. Well, let's do spam. Like, I know, this is going to do some complaining here for just five seconds if you'll bear with me. Does, it, does anybody besides me hate that you get spammed on text now? Yes. God, oh, somebody yes. want to buy my house. I want somebody want to buy my, my, my land in East Texas, which we don't own. <laughs> it was <laughs> insane. Okay, let's go. All right, awesome. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So I did that one time, Chris. I got an email from somebody assuring me that they needed help getting like $8 million out of Nigeria. So I emailed him back and I said, what do you need from me? <laughs> and he never responded. <laughs> I'll just see how long I could keep him on the on the, the hook. But oh my gosh! Just uh, the, in in James Veach's uh, particular case, it was an individual who wanted uh, to send him gold, okay, to to, oh, to sell. Like we, we need we need your help to sell this gold, and yeah, oh, it is quite hilarious. Quite amusing. All right, I'll put oh, that in the queue. Goodness gracious! I like TED Talks though because in a very short amount of time, you get a lot of information, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I've seen a lot of really good TED Talks out there on so many topics that it's like, this is great because it's like this little short 
introduction to a topic, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not an all-inclusive thing by any means, but at least it gives you that little bit. And I think I've heard you talk about, you know, redefining parenting and what it looks like and stuff. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'll have to find your TED Talk and actually watch it now. <laughs> also, I'll have to create a Google alert for Melissa Corkle. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Just in oh, case. Oh, that's funny. All right. So we wanted to talk about, uh, we talked, in our last episode, we talked about um, the signs of how to kind of recognize uh, when you're falling into blocked care. And now what we want to do is help our listeners with some practical steps on how to overcome it. Yeah. I think it's important to overcome it. Is that my cue? Yeah, I, I was going to say, somebody points to Melissa. She wrote a book about it. <laughs> Which is why she's here. <laughs> well, so it's interesting because there's this parallel. We talked just a tiny bit last episode about blocked trust, mm -hmm. which is what happens in a child's nervous system when the adults that were supposed to care for them or keep them safe yeah. didn't. And then their nervous system, again, subconsciously starts to feel resistant towards maybe intimacy or attachment. And, you know, all of us here have experienced what a difference connected parenting or trust-based parenting can make in our kids' lives as we're trying to reassure their nervous system, mm -hmm. it's okay. And we're trying to increase felt safety, right? This sense in our nervous system that things are okay. And so the parallel continues. Parents who are in block care need just what their kids need. They need validation. Mm -hmm. Like we talked last time about naming it and you're not alone. They need nurturing care. And, and basically, as parents, our job is to learn how to intentionally care for our nervous systems in such a way that our nervous system can be anchored in safe social engagement, in the words of Stephen Porges, even if our kids aren't. Yeah. And, and that is the work of kind of overcoming blocked care. And for those of us who are living in chronic states of stress, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, right, it's, it's not a one and done. Like yeah. the book is designed to walk you through, I think like 10 weeks of slow transformation, but that doesn't mean you're gonna get to the end. I mean, you're gonna feel a lot better at the end of that 10 weeks, but then you might need to circle back around, especially <laughs> through part three and do it do again. It again. And, yeah. and then and maybe you'll feel great for a year and then maybe something will happen or your kids are teenagers or young adults or they buy a house without consulting you or something, you know, and then you, you circle back around. That's a really specific That's what I said. That was a really <laughs> specific <laughs> example. Check out the Greed Room episode to find out more. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think... I do want to know more. <laughs> That's just a small thing right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I think we pause the episode and we'll pray for Melissa and then we'll get back in. She's like... Bought a house. That's a small thing. Okay. Well, that makes I, me feel better about our reality. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. I think, um, you know, so often we talk about, like, meeting our kids' needs, and our needs get kind of pushed to the side. I think that's probably part of how we end up in that place of blocked care, too, is just not caring for ourselves throughout mm. 
the process. And then we get so, we're so invested in our kids. And then we get to this place where we're like, we can't emotionally meet their needs. And a lot of it is because we haven't paid attention to what we needed in the process too and gotten it, um, gotten those needs met. So I know like even physical needs, like getting our bodies moving and things like that. We talk about that with our kids all the time, but it's so important for us to like go for a walk or go out and do something. You know, I mean, I think we have, especially it's hard when our kids are little too. Like now that our kids are all like self-sufficient, so to speak. I mean, we have a 10 year old still, so we're not leaving a 10 year old home alone or to do all her stuff. And we have a special needs daughter too, but, but we have like four teenagers in the house, right? So we can just go, Hey, we're going on a date. Like we're going out, there's pizza for dinner, right? Like we can get out of the house a lot easier, I think now. And so we can meet those needs, but especially when you've got all these little people, Mm. I think a lot of times you feel like all you do is meet other people's needs and you never meet your own needs. I mean, if if I could just add to that, because I think we're in a, we're, we're thankfully in a season where life does not seem as like stressful as it did. Yeah. Uh, And by dead, I mean like as recently as, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On this 15th day of February. We take seasons very like, like month at a time. Those are seasons. Like Like we're not talking year long seasons. We're talking Our seasons are 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, it's in all seriousness though, once, once we kind of crested the holiday season, got into January and part of that was, you weren't feeling, you know, you got sick over Christmas break and stuff like that. Yeah. So, the, so that added some to the house and whatever. But once, you know, Kayla's feeling better. Everybody else in the house is pretty healthy. I think you and I have done more together um, than than we have in years. Like we were talking about going to the, the Toby Mac concert the other night right. before we started recording. And we got, uh, you know, 4.30, somebody called and said, hey, can you meet us at 7? The show starts at 7. And we... I'll tell the, the short version of the story that makes us look good. We said yes immediately. <laughs> um, and, and so, but, but it, well, like a year ago, I couldn't have imagined us doing that. Hey, everyone, this is Dallas. And I wanted to share with you how you can become a supporter of the podcast. Becoming a supporter is a financial way to help the podcast, but also get some great extras to go along with it. We have tiers starting at $5, but you can pledge for as little as a dollar a month as a way to say thank you. Anything is greatly appreciated. To learn more, visit podcast.onebighappyhome.com and click on the supporter link. All right, back to the podcast. No, yeah, I mean, it was like when you're in that season of stress, you feel like like even trying to go out feels unmanageable because you're like, I'm going to get a call. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, that we, we got a call. Like, we tried to go to a movie and we got a call and we didn't get to see the end of the movie because we had to leave the movie. And that was just a year ago, you know, because one of the kids was in crisis and it was like, we got to go. And so, but you mm. feel like you, you can't, yeah, you feel like you can't do anything or you can't be a person outside of being a parent. I think that's, you know, when you get into that place of, of blocked care, I think that's where. Yeah, so that actually, that's a good. So let me ask you this, as the expert on the on the panel, <laughs> noted author, noted author, that talk speaker, block here expert. I'm gonna have you write my next bio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I write, totally I write, I write the bios them. of everybody at this table. So yeah. <laughs> he's good at writing bios. Not? Um, actually, what I just do now is go to ChatGPT and say, write a bio on Kayla Nor. Everybody just stop, pause the episode true. to Google that if they hadn't heard <laughs> it before. That's yeah. not true. I don't do that. Um, anyhow, um, what would you say to somebody 
because you guys do coaching as well and stuff like that, right? If, if you have a coaching client and they just tell you the, the, the story that Kayla just said, and like, I don't feel like I can be anything but a mom. Like I've lost my entire identity outside of being a mother who is now n taking care of the instrumental needs of a child, the executive needs, you called them in the previous episode. Mm. Like, like what kind of counsel do you, do you offer her in that situation? Well, I think one of the things that as coaches here at the table, because we've all been in this place, is that we can first validate and empathize. Like mm. we know exactly what that feels like and we're all human and we know what it like it's like to be there. And I think one of the hard things about something like blocked care, because it's newer, you know, mm. we hear from dozens of parents who are like, how come I've been in therapy with a attachment and adoption informed coach or therapist and no one's ever mentioned this before, right? Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. still getting out there. Yeah. And if a coach or a therapist, mental health provider doesn't understand it, then we do look like terrible parents, yeah. right? We make these confessions in these safe places and then, you know, someone says, I don't, is it really that bad? Or I'm sure you can just get some re more respite or, mm. you know, yes. they kind of, you could probably just. They diminish your feeling. Yeah. Or they like, they kind of throw solutions. And I was so guilty of this. Like when I was a mm. new ETC trainer and people would come to me with like big behaviors, I would I'd be like, oh, you know, a compromiser choice would probably fix that. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and they're like, uh, like, the Holy Trinity of connected parenting, compromiser choices, reduce. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and they're like, been there, done that, not working. Well, or, or I don't even, I don't even want, like when we talked about the signs last time, one of them is like, um, like doesn't like want to cynical about, about yeah cynical helpful. about helpful ideas right. yeah I resonated with that in hearing people <laughs> like I don't know I mean I think I've been there too but I I've I've talked to parents that have been like that's never going to work with my kid and like, yeah, like everything no. you throw like you don't out understand is, my kid. yeah this yeah. kid you've never seen this yeah. and, and I'm like I can assure you <laughs> that we have yeah well, and so we have a, a roadmap that we work folks through in our coaching program and and it starts with reclaim compassion for yourself yeah. yeah good and then only then when you've spent a little time there can you reclaim compassion for your child and a lot of parents like lisa tells the story in the book that deborah gray looked her in the eye one day and said well dear how are you doing yeah and it like immediately brought her to tears because she was like oh like you know, you go to all these therapy appointments and, and our children often are the, the center focus, mm. yeah, focus sure. of everything. And to have someone just like look you dead in the eye with care and compassion and say, is there anything I can do for you? Or how are you doing is stunning. Mm. Because we often don't even stop to think about how am I doing? Like, well, I mean, it's just a, let me figure out what's going on with this kid. And then as soon as you got this kid sort of figured out, then it's like, now this one needs some help, and then this one needs some help, and then we're back to this one again. Well, and I think we can unpack, Melissa, the last thing she said, like in eight episodes. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, because there's a lot of reasoning for that, right? Um, like like when, 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 we, when we meet, um, you know, we'll speak to parents who primarily are Christian, this idea of like taking care of yourself 
they, they process that as being selfish, mm-hmm. right? It, it's like, no, 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 taking care of myself, that's not picking up my cross and dying daily, right? That, that, that's selfish. And I'm like, there is nothing. Like, like you can ignore all the verses where Jesus said, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can ignore the verses where Jesus, after he teaches the crowd, says, hey, you know what? I need to go to the other side of the lake. <laughs> and, 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 and I love that. That's one of my favorite verses. I need to break from you. From you, know, you. He does, right? I'm going to go pray in secret. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the thing about that story, he gets there, he's teaching, and then the crowd grows. And so this is one of my favorite details of the story is he gets on the boat and teaches from the boat. Mm. And I love that detail because he does not abandon his responsibility. He makes an adjustment. He sets a boundary. Right, he sets yeah. a boundary, and he makes an adjustment that allows him to do what he's supposed to do. But then when he's done with the thing, he's like, Guys, let's go to the other side of the lake. See ya. Yeah. And so particularly when, when, when we work with dads or if I get a chance to speak at a dad's retreat or something, what do you double down on? Like, what's on the other side of the lake for you? Yeah. Because you have to. But, but what I hear you saying is like, we'll get to the point where just the thought of going to the other side of the lake is just... Getting on the boat. The thought of getting on the boat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because somebody could be to that point where they're just like, I can't even... Think yeah. about what's on the other side of the lake. Well, I, I used to use this visual. I don't know if I can translate this purely into words. Usually when I share this with parents, there's like a shared screen involved. But, <laughs> you know, imagine an upside down triangle. And at the top of it, we usually have like this big orange like behavior thing. And like your child's behaviors feel like the biggest thing in your whole world. And then after that, you start dealing with the the need, like the executive needs, like Mm -hmm. then we start meeting their basic needs. And then if there's anything left over, then we'll work on our marriages or we'll go to the gym or we'll make our own therapy appointments. Right. And what that builds is this upside down pyramid. Right. Well, I, my degree is actually in engineering, not in psychology or anything that has to do with anything (laughs) that we're talking about. Right. And so what I know about that shape is that it's incredibly unstable Mm -hmm. and it takes nothing like almost no stress to make that whole thing yeah 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 i mean one little thing like you spill your coffee as you're walking out the door and you really and you feel like you want to kill someone right like the the level one things like turn into really as a non-coffee drinker you might not understand the stress that causes (laughs) but as somebody who needs a gallon of the stuff a day yeah, when there's like a heart real. attack about me talking about that. Or yeah. when there's no half and half, like the world oh, stops because we have to go get half and half because I cannot drink like, my seriously, coffee. Seriously, I'll go to the grocery it. store if we don't have half and half before I get coffee in the morning. Right. They can be late to school. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every everything. I will have my half and half. <laughs> right. So we have to flip the pyramid. And yeah. if we flip yeah. the pyramid, what happens is that bottom layer, which was the last thing to get energy now is the foundation of your home. And so we talk a lot to parents about how can you be the stable foundation for your home? Yeah. You first. My husband was really good at pointing this out to me. I used to drive our son to a dual like speech and OT appointment. It was like a back to back thing, but we live out in the like boonies. So you like drive into town, they're back to back. So you drive a half an hour in, he has half hour of OT, and then they pass him off to speech, and they drive, you know, it's like two hours out of the week. Yeah. And um, for, you know, it wasn't bad for him, but it was like nominal improvement. You know, it wasn't like earth-shattering improvement. This was not the season we were in. And he was like, so what if you, like, take that two hours a week of your time and you, like, take yourself out to, like, read and drink some tea? Hmm. Like... 
what's that return on investment versus like this other thing? This nominal progress in these yeah. other areas. And I was like, oh, such a good point, right? Mm -hmm. So then, then you go up to the next level and then we start proactively meeting the needs of our kids, mm -hmm. not whack a mole behaviors, but like just <laughs> straight up, like this is what our kids need. Like, let's start here yeah. and then see what shakes out at the top layer. And now it's not that the behaviors go away, right. but they feel much smaller because you've built it all on this stable foundation. Yeah. I, I, I love that. So I, I videoed Melissa while she was doing that. And, <laughs> and so we'll actually just post a little video clip with the episode. Um, but um, or maybe not. I mean, you're making a triangle with your hands. You, you might say, don't post that, Ryan. Um, but um, I, I, I really kind of fixated on one of the things you said early on there when you went from the wide part of the triangle, so the, the inverted base down to the, 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 the point of the triangle. And you're saying right at the bottom of that triangle is stuff that really matters, right? Like your marriage and things like that. But it's getting, at very best in that scenario, the scraps. Right, like it's yeah. it's not it's not when you first brew that fr fresh pot of coffee. It's like it's been sitting on the burner for two hours, and it tastes burnt. It's just it's just nasty, right? Like I like I need fresh coffee. That's why um, there's so much we like coffee. We have like an espresso machine at the office. We have one on our kitchen counter. You don't drink coffee. We have one at home and everyone and I live with a bajillion people. And a former coffee <laughs> shop the, owner. And I am a You're former the only one coffee that shop it. owner. Okay, okay, I, I could know. brew you a mean cup of coffee. Okay, but I have to have the right beans and the right machine. <laughs> but that, that's because you could see in my eyes. Well, our home is ten minutes from here. <laughs> um, okay. I need to ask you a coffee question afterwards. It's not really super. Yeah, we'll green room that. Yeah, we'll for green the four people in here. <laughs> Sorry. But I do think that, I mean, I think it's important, and I like the the kind of the engineering look at the unbalanced triangle, because that is what we do. And we all know we need a firm foundation, and yet we still keep going to, you know, doing it that way, you know, like, giving the scraps to the things that are the most important. And we do it like we we've talked about this when it comes to behaviors with kids, like we want to correct, 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 correct behaviors. And if we just were more empowering, like their needs, then we would have less behaviors to correct, right? Like if we were making sure they had their snacks and their water and, and things like that, enough sleep and all of those things. But we, like you said, whack-a-mole behaviors instead. And we're like, oh, correct this behavior, correct this behavior, fix this, try this, do this. And we're not getting that um, cohesive plan with our kids, so to speak. And I think it does start with that foundation of saying, okay, I'm okay. Like I can handle if my kid screams at me and says, you know, you're not my real mom and I hate you or whatever. And I can be like, I can look at them with compassion and say, well, baby, you're having a really hard day. Well, I think we need to get to that place. And that's yeah. hard for people because we were raised by people who said you, you, you had to look them in the eye when they were yelling at you and you couldn't be disrespectful and all those things. But but, but I heard something recently saying, you know what, I reconciled that, that one of my kids just had to get his words out and had to get his words out aggressively. So I just decided if he wanted to yell at me, I was fine with it. Hmm. And he said, my wife said to me, why don't you let him talk to you like that? It's disrespectful. And she, and he said, he's talking to me. Yeah. So I'm good with that. You know, and then, you know, fast forward to the relationship they have as an adult son and his dad, which is good today. But he reconciled that 
I'm not I'm not biting on this. This is this is about what he needs, not about about me. But you can't do that if you're checking multiple items on your checklist from the previous episode. <laughs> right? Like that's an emotionally healthy person that's in a Absolutely. good place that can say, yeah. you know what, if you need to yell at me, I'm fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I started saying a lot more was nervous system care instead of self-care mm. because I, I'm convinced by brain science to change things in my parenting. That's one of my motivating factors to change. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the science behind like mirror neurons and how our nervous systems are affecting the nervous systems around us, right? Yeah. Like your nervous system is determining how safe you feel by billions of data points, you know, a, a minute on the internal cues from your body, the cues from the environment and your relational cues. And our nervous systems are passing millions of bits of data to each other that are subconscious and unspoken for every 50 bits of like conscious data. So like the yeah. words were like, look, actually looking at each other. And meanwhile, there's an undercurrent, there's an energy that's happening. And so if our nervous system, like we can't fake it to, we cannot fake it to make it in the situation because our kids know what's going on in our nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're pretty, they're pretty attuned, right? That's one of the great They're hyper attuned, a lot of them. One of the great things about kids, right, is, is, is their ability to kind of pick up on those things because they're really intuitive people. I, I remember reading that, um, I think there's three studies that arrived at the same conclusion over like a 20 year period, that 7% of communication is verbal. And so for those of you not great at math, that means that 93% of communication is the look on your face, your body language, the, the, that energy you're putting off. Like, like you don't have to say a single word. And I, and I can say whether you're mad, you're, you're, you're sad, you're happy, you don't want to talk to me, and all of those things. Um, but we tend to think focus on the words, but rather we should focus on how we use the words, the look on our face. Because the kids are attuned and like, oh... It just feels tense in this room. And I just walked into it. We had one of those the other day at the house. He went, this house feels tense. And I'm like, you notice that it felt tense the moment you walked into the night and said that. Yeah, well, and I like, you, I like that nervous system, caring for your nervous system, because I think a lot of people, when they hear self-care, go bubble baths and chocolate. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, and they kind of just go, they tune out when we say self-care, but your explanation of the nervous system and how important that is from like a scientific perspective, I think is really helpful because <clears throat> at least in this room, we all kind of nerd out on that kind of brain stuff too. And I feel like it's important for understanding the why, like just like we look for the why behind our kids' behaviors, the why behind, why does it matter if I care for myself? Like if I'm caring for my kids and like I could just like three more years and they're going to be out of the house or whatever, but we always talk about... <laughs> Yeah, we always. And how it works, champ. That's not and how it works. It works, no. champ. But we we all like we all know like, and we talk about it a lot on the podcast that what's most important is relationship, right? And so if we're really caring about relationship, and not just relationship for today, the here and now, but relationship for the future, like there's only 18 years where there are kids in our home and less than that for a lot of us that adopted our, you know, kids later in life. Yeah. yeah. And so there's so much more adulthood out there. And like, 
So if once our kids get to adulthood, they have to choose relationship with us. Like they can choose to walk away. They can choose relationship. And so if we're really focused on that, we're going to do anything and everything to go, how can I make this the best relationship? And if it starts with me, then let's do it. Like, let's do that right now. So. All right. So again, the book is called Reclaim Compassion, The Adoptive Parent's Guide to Overcoming Blocked Care with Neuroscience and Faith. It's by Melissa Corkum and Lisa Qualls. And will be out the end of February 2023. Well, Melissa, thanks for being on the, the program with us. Really appreciate it. And as always, listeners, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, email us at info at onebighappyhome.com. Please like and share the podcast with all your friends and family. And you can find us on your favorite social platforms by searching One Big Happy Home. And if you're a supporter of the podcast, don't go anywhere. Stay right here and get ready to listen to our post-episode recap we call The Green Room, where we dive deeper into today's episode. And if you'd like to become a supporter, you can visit podcast.onebighappyhome.com. Thanks for listening.